you're listening to the It's Tough Dude podcast. My name is Jake Johnson. In this show, I talk about stories, adventure, Jesus, psychology, and literally any other topic that I find interesting. Sometimes I bring on a guest, and sometimes it's just me. Either way, I hope you join me as I navigate the deep waters of the heart. Because I get it. Life is tough. All right, welcome to the It's Tough Dude podcast. I am Jake Johnson, and right now I'm sitting with a good friend of mine, Logan Hudson. What's up, Logan? What's up, Jake? It's good to be here. Yeah, so uh, thanks for coming on the show. and for uh, having me. For being the first, I guess you could say, guest or co-host. We'll see how things turn out, you know. Absolutely. Hoping this will be good. Uh, while we're at it, let's just like let people know who you are, what you're doing. Yeah, man. Um I'm currently at school at Georgia Tech, um, really getting to know Jake better this summer. We're both interns at Hope Global in Noonan, Georgia. Um, got to talking one day yeah. about how we're both reading the Narnia series. Oh, yeah. We were like, man, we should just hop on the podcast and talk some more about it. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. We both got a mutual love for, uh, for Narnia. For story. So, yeah, I think that conversation actually came up like one day working out in the woods, just like hanging out, having some guy time. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty sweet. So anyways, found out that at 20 years old, both of us are reading a children's novel uh, or series of novels. I'm 19. You're not going to get the record straight. Okay. All right. So you're still, you're (laughs) still in that category of, uh, of children's novels. I don't know. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe for me, maybe it's a little weird for a 20 year old to be reading, (laughs) but we'll see. I fell in love with the books and I read all seven of them in like six or seven weeks just because they're absolutely amazing. And with that, one, just want to say it's so freaking awesome to find another guy who loves Narnia because I felt like I was a nerd and super weird for me to love this book about like talking animals and like some other world and all that. Just thought that was super weird. And then I met you and was like this frat dude from Georgia Tech <laughs> who also loves Narnia. So super cool. And just kind of want to dive into what drew you to Narnia? Like what made you want to read the books? Uh, and then, you know, I'll kind of share the same for me. Yeah. Well, first off, I loved the movie growing up. Lion, the, the, the Witch, Witch and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Loved the movie. Um, and so honestly, you know, COVID-19 happened, quarantine happened. So we came home from school, you know, was at the house and I have the series just like you do, you know, in the box that all seven come together. And uh, I knew that I wanted to just enhance my love for reading just in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I knew I didn't want to start with anything too complicated during quarantine. I was like, man, I'm just going to read the Narnia series. Yeah, let's go for um, it. You know, like I said, I just love the movie. And I knew the, the premise of the story, mm-hmm. um, but I really only knew the story for The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Okay. Um, and so, man, it has been a fun reading adventure, these books. Yeah. You know, like you said, they're, they're children's books um, at the core, but – they are beautifully written stories by C.S. Yeah. Lewis. And it's been a really fun and interesting read and experience. And, you know, just having conversations with you about the books, it's, yeah. it's just 
made my appreciation for the books enhance. Yeah, no, it's it's good to have someone else to nerd out about uh about what's going on in the world of Narnia. I when you reminded me, <laughs> you reminded me of uh, a quote that's at the very beginning of the line and the witch in the wardrobe that C.S. Lewis put it. I think it's in like the dedication of the book, and he mm-hmm. said something about how uh, whoever it was dedicated to, I can't remember. I think maybe a granddaughter or a goddaughter or something like that. But he said that uh, one day she will be old enough to read fairy tales again. And I thought about that. Wow. I thought that was super interesting. Just thinking like, you know, as kids, well we love stories. We love fairy tales, everything like that. And then as we get older, and I mean, I see this, especially in guys our age, um, where you just lose sight of that, you know, the bigger picture of things. You lose sight of that, like wanting to get caught up in, you know, an amazing story of like adventure and um just a fulfilling life, just like the things that we find in Narnia. And so, you know, you start settling for like just the cynicism of the world and the skepticism of the world. And um, it's just really easy to lose sight of joy and to lose sight of just what it means to be a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, even when Jesus talks about like, you know, being like being a child, you know, and how the kingdom is for those who are like kids. Mm -hmm. Um, That's well said. And uh, so, yeah, I love that quote by C.S. Lewis and how he, included that at the beginning of the line and the witch in the wardrobe and just knowing for myself, like, you know, fairy tales and story and like things that just capture us and like draw, like draw us to themselves just because of how interesting they are. Like it's not just meant for that seven year old kid, you know, they are meant for us now and they are meant for us, you know, at 70, 80 years old. Um, because that's honestly, I think that's what we were made for. We were made for story and to be a part of, uh, something that is life-giving and joyful. Um, and I yeah. think I think everyone wants to see themselves in a story, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of a love story. You know, they yeah. they want that love. They want yeah. that. You know, the, the guys love the chase. The girls, yeah. you know, love being chased in the love story, and yeah. they, they see themselves in it. Exactly. I mean, you see it in every kid, like literally every kid, no matter where you're at. Um, I think once they hit like the teenage years that, you know, like I'm too cool, you know, like that mindset starts, starts settling in and, you know, the cynicism, the pessimism, um, and even just like the, the meaninglessness of life that people feel like that starts to set in. But I mean, like whether it's kids that we work with here in downtown Noonan or the kids that I see in, you know, my quite frankly, white middle-class neighborhood, like all of those kids, like just the way that I see them interact with each other uh, and play, um, they do. Like they have that desire within them just for like for joy and, you know, for story. Um, they may not necessarily know what to call it. But honestly, like that's what brought me to Narnia is that need, that innate desire for a story. Because what I found just from, you know, uh, going on my junior year of college now is I've kind of lost sight of, uh, a story in my own life and just got caught so, or so caught up with, um, I don't know, pragmatism and like all the isms, you know, and cynicism and just like trying to figure out the answers to everything. Um, but ultimately, like, uh, I think it's just super important to find find stories that, uh, that we find interesting and that kind of awaken that child within us. So to me, that's what brought me to Narnia is just recognizing like, man, like in my own life, just I was feeling so bogged down by 
um, I don't even know how to put words to it, but in many ways, a lack of a story, a lack of adventure in my life, um, a feeling of apathy, like literally just, you know, struggling with feeling any emotions whatsoever and just recognizing like, that's not good. And sadly talking to many other people who feel the exact same way, like no matter what job they have or what type of, you know, what their major is or whatever it may be, like just this overall, like lingering in the air of feelings of apathy and just lack of passion, lack of desire. Um, and the, the, the desires that they do have, you know, are, are weak desires. You know, they're four things that like, just don't really bring joy and don't really bring satisfaction. Um, and so I think what really began initially was me starting to watch movies again. Um, so I went to movies like Goodwill Hunting and um, Disney's The Kid and things like that, uh, where I just got so captivated by the story. Um, and ultimately, I was like, you know what? I read all the time. Let me dive into these, you know, these children's books. Uh and uh, written by a guy who was an atheist and a skeptic for so much of his life, you know, he didn't become a Christian until, you know, middle life. Um, but the reason why he became a Christian is super interesting. And it was because of his love of story and his love of myth and fairy tales. And that is actually, you know, through a conversation that C.S. Lewis had with J.R.R. Tolkien, he eventually became a Christian um, because he just knew the power of a story. That's incredible. So... But yeah, that's what got me. But I think it's more than just the story. I think it was also the desire for a story that had hope and that had adventure and had joy. Um, because sadly, you know, a lot of the real stories that we experience in life and a lot of the movies nowadays, you know, a lot of, you know, there's stories on the news that we see. It's just a perpetual story of grief and sadness and you know, lack of meaning and lack of joy. Um, and the Narnia books stand out from all of that because they, you know, sit on the foundation of saying like, no, there is meaning, there is purpose, there is joy, there is hope. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, and and to add to that point, like you were saying, you know, coming at it from a point in your life where you were apathetic. Yeah. The Narnia series just ignites that passion for joy and for yeah. hope. And I think that's one really awesome thing about the series is it does that so well, um, regardless of what age, man. It's a timeless read. Yeah, it's very hard, I think, to read a story like the Chronicles of Narnia and to not experience uh, that child within you starting to wake up you know, like that, you know, you start to feel that seven or eight year old kid within you, you know, he starts kind of saying something to you or speaking to you, you know, like those emotions. I know for me, like, you know, when I picked up, I, I read the books uh, a little bit out of order. So I started with the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Um, and like, literally, I mean, I, there were times where I started crying. I even remember specifically, there was a <laughs> moment, like I was reading the line and the witch in the wardrobe. And I imagined myself like 15, 20 years from now, you know, maybe even less than that, reading that book to my future daughter. Like mm. straight, like I remember that vividly. I was reading wow. and I got emotional just thinking like one day, it may even be in 10 years, like I don't know, but like just imagining like one day, <laughs> like having a daughter, like a five-year-old daughter and reading her The Lion and the Witch in the Wardrobe. 
you know, like that just like made me emotional. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very difficult, I think, to, to read the books and, uh, to not experience some sort of awakening of desire. Um, and the sad part about that is that, you know, you put the book down, you know, whether you're sitting on your front porch, you know, um, or you're sitting in your bedroom or wherever, you know, you put the book down and you recognize like, like, wow, you're not, I'm in my Narnia. room right now. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm not in Narnia. Like I can pick up, you know, the book and I can, you know, pretend that I walked through the wardrobe, but in reality I, I'm in the same place, you know? Um, and that kind of always hits me. Uh, just like when I finished the series a few weeks ago, you know, and I, I read that last paragraph of the last battle. I know you're not there yet, but like literally, I mean, I read that last paragraph and I got emotional because for six weeks I was reading nothing but Narnia, just addicted, man, just reading Narnia. And I put it down and I'm not going to spoil it for you because I know, you know, you're not there yet. You're not to that last book yet, but like it got me emotional because I felt like not only was it the, the end, I say the end, uh, he kind of keeps the story a little bit open, but it was the end of the series to just knowing like, hey, like, like this is the end of this story. Right. But also recognizing like, in a way, this was kind of the end of my own story in Narnia. Um, and uh, and recognize, putting the book down and going like, I'm sitting in my bed right now, you know. Um, and I, and, you know, I still have schoolwork to do. I still got, you know, work to go to. It's like, I'm not like, I know sure. we, were talk- we were talking about this in the car like an hour or two ago about how every boy and you just hinted at it, how like every boy longs to be adventurous, mm. longs to be like brave and like know that like he, he is, he is loved and that like he, he is a man and like he has what it takes, you know? Um, exactly. And you know how every girl longs, you know, for something similar to that. And so, you know, in Narnia, it's like Peter uh, and Edmund, for instance, like when they're in London, they're just, you know, your typical schoolboys, you know, boarding school boys, you know. Yep. Um, nobody may – we don't really have much information about what people thought of them in London. But – That's not that's not where we see their greatness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so we see them and we're like, man, like in Narnia, like they're kings. Sorry. And like they don't think about London, you know. Um, but then inevitably, you know, they go back to London and they have to deal with the emotion of going like, wow, like I – like I'm not a king here, you know, I'm not in that mm. place that does bring me that joy. And unfortunately, like, I know this is super nerdy, but that's how, that's how I feel when I put down the books is I have to wake up um, to the reality of, of a broken world, you know, literally like reconciling, you know, the truth of Ecclesiastes and the truth of Easter and going like one day, like one day our lives are going to be like Narnia, you know, like I, I, I hold firm you know, and like, and like that hope that like one day, like our lives are going to be like what they were meant to be in Eden. And part of that, I think, is what C.S. Lewis touches on in the Chronicles of Narnia is just this crazy story of adventure and love and joy and fulfillment. And just like every day gets better than the next, mm-hmm. you know, um, just like constantly living in the present and just experiencing like what we were made for. Um it's kind of like right now we're in this 
endless winter with no Christmas. Exactly. You know what I mean? And it's exactly. Just, and then, you know, how Jesus the best is yet to come. Yeah. Like, um, I know in the, in the story of when Lewis became a Christian, Tolkien told him when they were, you know, they're on that walk in Oxford. It's a famous story, you know, about how Tolkien pretty much led him to Christianity, but Lewis didn't say he became a Christian until a year later. But Tolkien in that moment said that Jesus had brought spring out of winter and he begged mm. Lewis to consider that. And uh, a year later, Lewis became a Christian, considered himself the most reluctant convert um, in all of England. Uh, but I love that because however many years later when he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, that's exactly what he did is uh, have that's Aslan awesome. bring spring out of winter. So that was definitely a nod you know, to J.R.R. Tolkien um, <laughs> and how Tolkien you know, led him that. to Christ. But yeah, like I love what you're saying. It's yeah, it's uh I don't know, just a very interesting thing to ponder. Um, of going like, man, like like Jesus has already won, and in a way he's already brought spring out of winter, but then also recognizing like it's not fully happened, or it hasn't fully happened, you know, it's like both here and not yet. Um, and just wrestling with that, but I think you know stories like Narnia and people like C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tolkien with his books are able to, um, to help us, uh, reconcile, um, those two, you know, those two, uh, truths really, um, same thing that the, the Pavinci siblings experience, which is, you know, um, they spend a lot of their time in London. Um, but then on those occasions, you know, they get to, they get to go through the wardrobe, you know, obviously, I mean, there's only one time to go through the wardrobe, but you get what I mean. Right. Just, you know, it's almost like, you know, when you have this earthly mindset, is kind of that feeling of setting down the book. You yeah. know, when you have this heavenly mindset, yeah. You know, where your heart is postured yeah. toward the heavens, it's like we have an endless opportunity to go into that wardrobe with Jesus. Yeah. Um, and reckon, and that's just yeah. really cool. And like recognizing that, like, um, I don't want to say that, you know, it's all a mindset or whatever, because it's so far more than that. But, you know, as kind of you're touching on, like, in a way, we are able to walk through the wardrobe, so to speak, in our ordinary and everyday exactly. lives. Exactly. Um, that's good. And, you know, experience, you know, the the with God life, um, right? The life where we are kings and we are yeah, conquerors. That's a good way to put it, dude. That's right. Like seriously, and just having to remind ourselves that, like, yeah, like this life is not at all what it seems. You know that's what right. I mean? Like just having to having to. I think one of my biggest prayers is for God to give me eyes to see and ears to hear, and just um, you know, being able to to view me like view myself as God sees me and um, and view other people, you know, how God sees them and like, just like the world and like what God, you know, wants to do in the world and the promises that he says, like he will one day do, you know, like when Jesus talks about the renewal of all things um, and just like, like trusting in that and inviting God into my normal and everyday life, you know, going like, okay, you know, maybe every day doesn't feel like Narnia, right? Because I look at a story like, you know, the, the books of Narnia 
And I'm like, man, like I want that epic adventure, hmm. you know, that, you know, that Peter did or Edmund did or Lucy did, you know, whatever. Um, like I, I want like a story like that, you know, and I have moments in my life. They're very brief, but I've had moments in my life where I felt that, you know, it's almost mm. like you feel like you've yep. like for a brief moment, you feel like you've walked into eternity or that eternity has walked into your time, you know? And it's like for that brief moment, you're like freaking heaven just met earth. And <laughs> I don't care about the past. Don't care about the future. Like I'm just living in this moment. And I feel like, I feel like I stepped through the wardrobe, you know? Um, and then like almost unexpectedly, it's almost like, like it feels like the, the like the veil is removed, right? But then out of nowhere, life goes back to how it was. And you realize that, you know, you're, you're not in Narnia. You're not in the renewal of all things. Um, but you had a glimpse of what that may be. Um, yeah, I'm particularly thinking of experiences that I've had, you know, like in Jamaica, mm-hmm. um, just like incredible moments of joy and adventure, adventure and passion. Just being like, man, like this is what we were made for, you know? Um, like, that's right. And, or even here, like at Hope Global, um, you know, experiences, uh, you know, that yeah. are, that are similar. Exactly. Um, but then it being like stripped away and, and just wrestling with that. Um, same thing, like just to go back to the, um, that same figure of speech of just like, it's like putting down the book, you know? That's right. But, um, I know one thing speaking of, uh, or just to speak of the first book in the Chronicles of Narnia the magician's nephew, just going along those, this lines of, um, the longing that I think we both recognize in our own life for adventure and for fulfillment and joy and the longing that we see in others as well, whether it's, you know, the 10 year old kid who's, you know, um, his mind is full of imagination. I mean, even just today when we were hanging out, uh, with a couple kids from the hope center, I remember sitting, uh, or standing outside with, um, AJ and who's a kid, uh, he's probably, he's like nine years old who comes here to the hope center. And we were out on some property and he had a shovel and just started digging and I asked him what he was digging for. And he said he was digging for gold, for gold. Uh, and, I, and I went along with it. You know what I mean? Obviously, like what it ended up being was just dirt mixed with sand. But he was saying that the sand was gold and that the dirt was iron. And, uh, you know, I just I just went along with it. <laughs> well, right. But I was like, man, like, what if I just like stepped out in that, you know, like that childlike faith that if I just walked in that joy, you know, um, Cause like I could have just been super cynical and be like, AJ, like that's not gold. Like that's sand, mm. you know? Um, but for that, you know, brief, like five minutes of his life, he was caught up in that, in some sort of imagination of, you know, just, I don't there's know. There's something yeah. more to be found here. That's a good way to put it, man. Yeah. there's some, Yeah. He, yeah, man. Just having that, that childhood mindset of um, just where in our mm. lives can we dig for gold? Dude, that's and Narnia is one of those places. Narnia is a perfect place but to then start. How do we I yeah, for those of you listening to this, I really hope that you're still listening and that you didn't just like end it after like five <laughs> minutes. But if you're listening to this and you haven't dived into the Narnia books, I urge you to do so because I think what you'll find there is is treasure and is gold. Um, you know, Jesus talks about how 
uh, the kingdom of God uh, is like a treasure in a field. Um, and I, I think that part of, I think that one way to engage the kingdom of God and to, and to engage intimacy with God is honestly, um, if you, if you, if you do it in a childlike way, I think that through Narnia, I think God can use Narnia because he has in my life to reveal to me things about, uh, his nature and things about, you know, the desires that he's put in my heart. Um, uh, and just like the, the childlikeness of what it means, you know, to be a son of God. Um, and yeah, to just, to walk in that. Um, absolutely. But yeah, speaking of that, of that feeling of, you know, that, that, uh, the weird feeling of you experience something where it feels like you've stepped into eternity, you've stepped into that, uh, final restoration, final renewal of all things, and then feeling it stripped away from you. And sometimes I think honestly, that's what keeps most people from experiencing joy, from experiencing, you know, life, because ultimately the safest way to avoid any sort of pain and suffering in life is to not take the risk of, of love or hope or joy. Right. Um, but it's also the safest way to avoid love, hope and joy and faith because you're not taking any sort of risk. You're just staying in that comfort and that complacency. Um, so, you know, me picking up Narnia and you picking up Narnia, you know, um, two months ago or so when, when each, each one of us started reading, like, by doing so, we're actually opening up our hearts to emotions that we may not really want to feel, which is hope and longing and, you know, more than that, a longing for joy, a longing for passion, for fulfillment. And I think most people are too afraid to experience unmet longings that mm. they don't take the risk um, because they're just, they're just too afraid of the suffering and pain that comes from that. But by doing that, by not opening our hearts up to um, to hope, to longing, to to joy, to you know, to even love, you know, when we look at it, you know, as far as you know, relationships go or whatever it may be, by not opening up our hearts, um, and just by staying closed into like the cynicism and pessimism and skepticism of the modern world, we actually over time die, like our hearts die, and I think we become how. Uh, we become what Henry David Thoreau said about men, which is that most men live a life of quiet desperation. Um, and I think I see that in so many men, whether they're 20 years old or 40 years old or 60 years old or 80. I see that in so many men where um, they never know, become old enough to read fairy tales. Dude. Yes. They, exactly. They, they stopped reading fairy tales at, you know, whatever age, because something happened, whether, you know, um, whether it's the hurt or trauma experienced by people in their life um, or, you know, some other experience that just made them think, you know what, like I stepped out to experience joy or whatever. And um, what I got in return was pain and suffering um, or grief. And so in order to protect myself from those feelings again, I'm just not going to engage in any sort of story or any sort of activity or any sort of mindset or belief or faith or worldview or whatever it may be, that may lead me to experiencing even more suffering, you know? And so they lock their hearts in a casket, right? Right. Um, but if you lose heart, you lose everything. I, I heard John Eldridge say that one time, and I think that's so important. That's powerful. Yeah. 
I think ultimately what we're getting to here, like in all that we're saying, is like one of the ways to not lose heart or like in order to not lose heart, you have to engage in story. And not just any story, but stories that bring forth hope. Uh, Sorry. Stories yeah. are a very powerful, powerful thing um, and, and can be used in very powerful ways as we see C.S. Lewis does. Uh, and like you said, just finding those stories that do just ignite that passion yeah. for hope and for joy. So what specifically about Narnia would you say does that for you? Mm. I think just the fact that Narnia is a place that I know I will never be able to actually go to and to mm. enjoy. Um, and I yeah. think, you know, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, but there's just something that we love about something that's just out of our reach. Yeah. You know, and I think that's just one really special thing about Narnia is, you know, Narnia is a place that you'll never get to quite go, you know, no matter how many times you read the book, you know, you'll just never quite get there in Narnia. Yeah. Um, but C.S. Lewis does such a great job of allowing us to still experience mm. it, even yeah. though we can't actually be there, yeah. you know, in the, in the physical being. Yeah. Um, that, that has been a really That's- cool and special a special just experience yeah. you know, as, as I'm reading. All right. So yeah, like those signposts that we're talking about, how Narnia just like points to a, a deeper truth uh, about God and, you know, this life. And um, I feel like he, Lewis really hits on those desires within us for adventure and for life. And I, I want to say that like they're, they're wounds in a way. Because everybody feels those unmet longings um, and everybody wants those longings to be met. And by engaging in them and by like literally opening up those wounds even more, um, it it sucks because we have to recognize like, yeah, like part like these may not be met on this side of eternity. Um, but by not opening up our heart, we actually lose even more because we lose the ability to hope. And we lose the ability to live and to love and to experience joy, to experience, you know, adventure and, and all of that. And so I, I think that stories like the Chronicles of Narnia are in a way uh, stories that call out to us and they woo us and they captivate us um, in like in our deepest moments of both grief and joy. And they like in reality they beckon us to return once again to that well that never runs dry, which is the very person of Jesus. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so much beauty that is to be found in stories like Narnia. And so much to learn. Yeah, honestly, so much to learn. And as you were saying, I mean, there's so much, there's so much gold in these books, so much treasure to be found. (laughs) And I think what would be super awesome and I think you agree with me on this is that if we take like seven episodes of this podcast and we spend an episode talking about each book and uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. So I think that's what we're going to do and I'm looking forward Let's to do it. it. 
really hope you guys enjoyed this episode and that you took away something from it. Uh, I know we might've been a little scatterbrained, kind of went all over the place, but ultimately we're just trying to get across the importance of story, why we all need story, why there are those groanings and longings within us and those unmet desires within us and how by engaging stories of hope and stories of life and stories of love, like the Chronicles of Narnia that are written from a Christian worldview. But of course there are those stories, even not from a Christian worldview that still speak to those unmet longings. And I think that's even, I think that alone is good apologetics and good, um, good reason for, um, you know, the Christian faith is just that everybody, no matter who they are, experiences what we're talking about. Story has no religion. That dude, great. That's, that's a freaking quote right there. That's a tweet. (laughs) That's a tweet. Uh, and I think honestly, that's, that's a good place for us to end. That is man. Jake, thank you so much for having me, man. This was awesome. Thanks for coming on the show. Like I appreciate this so much and I'm looking forward to, Spending the next couple of weeks just going through the Chronicles of Narnia series and discussing uh, the difference it's made in our lives and uh, just being able to nerd out about the books. So, yeah, I love what you said, man. Stories have no religion. Super good way to put it. And, uh, yeah, look forward to talking more in the future. Sounds good. See yeah. you next time.